Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's get into the Word this morning. And um, are you excited about this series? Are you sure? Okay. This series is very important as we progress in our Christian walk on the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, we've done the revelation of gifts, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and what? What's the third one? Discernment of what? Of spirits. Okay. Now we want to go on the power gift. On the power gift. So we'll talk about faith, gifts of healings, and walkings of what? Miracles. So we want to start with the gift of faith. I want to plead with you that... Let's not take some of these things we're learning for granted. Document them. Go over them. Learn them. Deepen your convictions in these truths. If there is anything we need more now in the body of Christ, it's the ministry of teachers. And when I mean teachers, I mean teachers of the word of God. That's very important. That people are taught God's word. You know... Every day, um, as a pastor, you find out that sometimes people come to the church for many reasons. People come to the church for many, many reasons. But the one thing that should lead you to a church and make you committed in the church is if you're growing spiritually. Praise God. Because if you're growing spiritually, every other thing would work out well. That should be your priority. Choose your spiritual growth. And you have to be deliberate about growth. You have to be deliberate about growth. Let me, let me tell you something. If you are not growing, right, like with spiritual things, right, if you're not growing, you're actually losing grounds. If you're not growing, you're losing grounds. And that is why you must consciously grow. We had the ladies gathering yesterday. Most of you were not around. I've forgiven you. But we talked about the art of intercession. And I made a statement yesterday. I said, if you're too busy to pray, you're getting too busy as a believer. If you're too busy, that your prayer life is now reducing. You have time for every other thing. But gradually, you're not praying as much as you used to pray. And you say it boldly. There are, there are certain things we should be ashamed of. There are certain things we should not say to people. Ah, I used to study. Ah, look at me now. And you're saying it. What that simply means is that you are losing ground. You're losing ground. 
If you're so busy, you don't have time for the things of God. You don't have time to pray anymore. Even when you're praying, it is not like you used to pray. You know those prayers when you're cooking your soup and you're praying, you test your magi, you're praying, ah, God understands, God lives in the heart. Don't be that kind of a believer. The world we live in is a dark world. You have to maintain your edge. Even as a pastor, sometimes I have to deliberately tell myself, no, I have to study because before you find out, you're caught up with administration. Oh, you need to settle this. Oh, you need to do this. Oh, you need to do this. Oh, you need to do that. And before you know, you're more of an administrator than a pastor. And so the teachings concerning the gifts of the Spirit essentially are reminders of the things that are in us that the Holy Spirit wants to use to be of a blessing to the world. And so even after the series is over, go back, study them, study them, find out the gifts that are working you, spend time praying in the Holy Ghost until there's the manifestations of these gifts. Praise the name of the Lord. So we want to look at the power gift. Let's start with the gift of faith. The gift of faith. Now, when we talk about the gift of faith, go to 1 Corinthians 12 uh, as, as scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So you know the reading. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gift, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who walks all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same spirit walks all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. So we're staying on that verse today. Now, you realize that these distributions of the Spirit of God are given to us as the Holy Spirit wills. So, the first thing we must understand about the gifts of the Spirit is that it is distributed to us, what? By the will, the sovereign will of the Holy Spirit. I remember where we started, when you get born again, the big H, the fruit of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit are with you, are in you, rather. Now, God wants us, God wants this gift to be very active in our life. Very active. Very active. Now let's look at the gift of faith. Now the word faith, it's the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. But it is used 
in four different ways in scriptures within context. So the first one you have is that you have the saving faith. The saving faith. The faith that brings salvation. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. Ephesians 2 8. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So, this faith that is, that is mentioned in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 is called saving faith. This is the faith that got you born again. Right? Now, in Romans chapter 10 verse 17, this faith comes by the hearing of the gospel. So, when you hear the gospel and you accept the sacrifice of Jesus on your behalf, that can only be done by faith. So this faith is called saving faith. This is the faith that brings salvation. Now listen to this. Every born again, every genuine born again child of God or born again child of God that's genuinely born again. Because then we have people who come to church and actually are not born again. So we don't assume that everybody in church is born again. Okay? I'll repeat that again and then you say yes when I say okay. We don't assume that everybody who comes to church is born again. Okay? All right. But when a man is genuinely born again, it is done by that act of faith. And that faith comes by the hearing of the gospel. So you must hear the gospel before you are born again. It's the hearing the gospel that is that makes you born again. Now, we must understand this. When I, talk about, when I start teaching about soul winning, you understand it. Getting born again is not telling people that, you know, if you come to my church, your problem will be solved. That's not the gospel. That God will solve your problem is not the gospel. What is the gospel? That we are sinners and Christ has died and taken our place. We and you do understand that that a sacrifice has been made on our behalf and we accept that sacrifice. That is the gospel. So you can have people come to church all because they want problems solved and they don't yet have an encounter with God and they are not born again. Will God? solve their problems absolutely god heals god delivers god helps those who are not even his children that's why he's god so the relationship of salvation with god that makes you his son is a product of faith but that's not the faith of first corinthians chapter 12 that faith is called saving faith now there is the general faith some some theologians divided into three. Some divided into four. I'm more tilted to those who divided into four. Romans twelve three. Romans twelve three, and this is why I say that. Romans twelve three. For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Okay? Are you here? Right. So, this is why I 
appeal towards the theologians that divide it into four. Because the first two scriptures we read talked about the fate of salvation. Now, in the book of Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about God having dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. Now, this measure of faith, every believer has it. Every child of God has it. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to explain, or well, I'll give you my reasons why I agree with the four school of thought. Now, every child of God has this measure of faith. And this is the measure of faith with which you walk the word of God out. Now, whether you use it or not is left for you. As you're seated here right now, you already have as much faith as you need to get anything done in your life. Why? Because you have already been dealt with a measure of faith. Now, you must understand something about faith. It's not how big your faith is that gets the work done. The, the manifestation of faith is not in the size as much as is in the person that the faith is built on. Do you, do you understand that? If I put my faith in God, a small faith as small as a mustard seed. How many of you have seen mustard seed? If you travel in buses, you see all these guys that sell it. Eh? As small as a mustard seed is, let's say like a grain of rice, the scripture says it can move mountains. So, it, it, so at that point, it is not the size, but who the faith is placed on. Because your faith is in God. Praise God. So every believer has got this kind of faith. Let me, let me explain this to you. Faith and fear dwell in your heart at the same time. And you have to just make sure that through the word of God, faith grows. Uh, I'm trying to look for an example. Now, if you believe that something is going to happen to you, if you believe that something is going to happen to you, maybe something negative, it is because you have chosen to channel your faith in the ability of the devil more than the ability of God. So you already have faith. It's just that it is misplaced. You believe that this can happen to you. While someone else channels his faith and put the emphasis on what God will do rather than what the devil. So it is not for lack of faith. It is rather for misdirection of faith. So every believer has this measure of faith dealt to them. So this is called general faith. Now, in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, we find a third context of faith used there. It's called the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Now, um, Galatians 5.22. Do you have the old King James Version? You have the old King James Version? Okay. Now, you, now, please follow me carefully. The word faith here is used as continuous persistence. Continuous persistence. Or continuing quiet trust. So this one is the fruit of the spirit. Now, in the old King James Version, it is translated as faith, right? But because of what it means or what they were trying to 
pass across that this faith here, actually, the fruit of the Spirit is that which makes you stay on the race for a long time. Continuous trust. The translators in, change, in the New King James Version now changed it to faithfulness. So if you read the Old King James, you will find it as fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, sorry, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. All right? Now go to the New King James Version. you find it as long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and what? Faithfulness. What does faithfulness imply? Just showing up. Daily, constantly. Are you following this? So this is the, the third category. This one, every believer also has it. Why? Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. Let me explain this to you. These nine fruits of the Spirit, they are in your spirit man already. You only choose to give expression to it. So let me, let me give you an example. If, if I get offended with you this morning and you do something, you say something, and I'm not happy, I have two choices, right? I have the choice to yield to my flesh and I get angry and get offended. Or I have the choice to yield to the recreated human spirit and I walk in love. So sometimes when you see a believer behave, ah, I thought he was a Christian. Yes, he is. He's just a carnal one. Because that's what carnal Christians do. What does carnal Christians do? Carnal Christians yield more to their senses than the, the Holy Spirit. Are, are you following this? So, uh, something happens and you have the, you know, you just want to get angry. You just, and you even see them say, ah, before I got born again, you don't know me. Yeah, we don't, we really don't want to know you that way. So, you can choose to yield to the flesh. And that's why when you see people who walk in love, it's not because, oh, you know that guy is a mature Christian. I just like the way he walks in love. No. We all have the opportunity to get angry, to get offended, to get upset, but we just choose to walk in love. Why? Because we choose to yield to the Holy Spirit. And the more you yield to the fruit of the Spirit in you, the more Christ-like you become. You see, because I think the greatest problem we have with Christianity right now globally is the fact that Christians will live by the word of God that's the greatest problem meaning that we know this is what the word of God says but no I'm not doing that I want to do this and that's the greatest challenge I know I need to walk in love no but this person I want to show them my true color and what color is that it's canal color so that's just it. And that's why you discover that a man can be born again and be, be in church for years. But there is no... <laughs> you, you might not even find any sign that he's a believer. Is he born again? Absolutely, his spirit is born again. And our greatest problem also started when we started using our proof of maturity or proof of Christianity or proof of relationship with God when we started using material things to measure, which, are, which is very wrong. So, for instance, uh, you get a car and we say, wow, wow, look at the blessing of God. I'll, I'll spend time to teach that, but the blessing of Abraham is actually the fact that God preached the gospel to Abraham. That's the blessing. 
Yeah. He says, and that, he preached the gospel to Abraham. Can it affect our material state? It can't. See, I'll give you an example. You should understand this. And sometimes if pastors understood this, it will make, make life easy. A believer that has not grown in contentment is a risky believer to teach prosperity. He will become covetous. No money in this world will be enough for you. In fact, in fact, for some of us, the more money we have, the more carnal we'll become. We'll have gadgets to occupy us. You know some sins are very expensive and it is poverty that is keeping you from committing those sins. By the time you have money, you can fly around the world. The, your wife will be looking for you. They won't see you at home again. That's when other women will become beautiful. So your poverty actually is helping you to stay sane. Because before you realize, just cover that ah, we are not compatible. Your English will improve. So the first thing a child of God gets from God is contentment. In whatever circumstances you are, you are at peace with God, knowing that you're a child of God. That's the first thing God does for you. I'll give you an example. I got, we went to a mission church on Sunday. I went with my family to go preach there. We had a combined service in the mission church. We had a combined service. And, well, it was, it was a combined service. I wanted to stretch them in generosity. So I took two offerings with a lot of, you know, I mean, you know, I don't take offerings that way. But I took two offerings. Guess what? With all the announcement, I, I held the offering basket just to make sure they give. <laughs> How much did we get as an offering? 15000 That's the highest they have gotten in three years. You know, some of you tell wow. Now, imagine if you are pastoring in that village. The chances of you becoming a millionaire is almost zero. That is, do you understand? And they gave that offering because the big pastor, you know, it's like when a zona pastor, we don't have all those, but it's like when a zona pastor arrives. Let's, let's impress the man of God. 15K. You see, but the truth of the matter is that you are not more righteous than them. Even though you have 20 cars packed in your garage and with the flip of a finger, you can give a million to the gospel. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? So if we, if we have this understanding, we will begin to look at what ways do we really test who a believer is. And the Bible tells us very clearly, by their fruits, you shall know them. What fruits are that? Galatians 5.22. By how the man works in love. By how much joy the guy has. By how much kindness this guy exhibits. By how much goodness this person. By how much faithfulness this person. How much long-suffering and patience. And you know that if we begin to look out for these things, we will hardly miss it. Can you say amen? amen. Okay, that was, that was bonus. Let's get back now. The fourth faith is what is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12.9. Miraculous faith. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this gift to another faith by the same Spirit. That is the gift of faith. Now, this gift is a portion from 
the faith, as it were, that God exhibits. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of examples, but if you are a business person or you are into, you have your own company or whatever, there's a book I would like to recommend. It's a book called ROG, no, the book is called The Mover of Men and Mountains by ROG Litoni. Now, the reason is because this guy, when, every time he was interviewed, he would just say, I'm a mechanic that is blessed by God. Now, through his faith in God, the Lord began to teach him how to make earth-moving machines, big machines like tractors, caterpillars, and all that. And, I mean, the guy grew to become a very extremely wealthy and generous believer. Now, the reason is because this was like a special operation of the gift of faith. You see, for most of you in business, and that's why I brought it, this is one gift you should pray to God for. You see, because sometimes when you look at the economy, you look at Nigeria, you look at, all you just want to do is just get visa and run away. Because it will take the, I'm, I'm, I'm very serious about what I'm saying. Sometimes it will take the gift of faith for you to be able to break grounds in business. Now, to the natural man, you are making wrong choices. But there's something in you that makes you to see the possibility of that working. Now, let me give you an example. When there was famine in the land, Isaac wanted to run, run away. You remember? Applied for the visa, everything, filled the forms, took take passport, smile, and all this. And he wanted to go to the embassy. And God says, hey, don't go. I know some of you, God can't tell you that. Say, God, when I get there, talk to me after, after. I'm busy now. And then, what did the Bible say? We have misinterpreted that scripture a lot, especially pastors. We haven't done justice to that scripture. And it has affected our understanding of that scripture. What did God tell Isaac? He says, so in this land, I'll be with you just as I was with your father. Now I'm going to bless you. What happened? The Bible says Isaac sowed in that land. Isaac did not give money. He tilled the ground and sowed. He farmed. And then in that year, he reaped the hundredfold. What was the hundredfold? A maximum harvest. Yet, there was famine everywhere. How did Isaac do that? That was the gift of faith in operation. So Isaac used the gift of faith to farm. And what happened? He started increasing. And then they closed his wells. He was increasing. They closed his wells. He was increasing. They closed his wells. Until the whole of the nation came to him and had to make peace with him. Now recognize something. Well, this is taking me away from, but follow this. Recognize something. Every time they closed the well, what was Isaac's reaction? Talk to me, church. Come on now, everyone. What was Isaac's reaction? Huh? Are you sure you'll do that? No, I'm not sure I'll do that. But how many of you understand that that gift was working with the fruits? He, he says, there's no need to strive. 
They closed the well, the guy moved on. They closed the well, he moved on. You know why? Because it was not the well that was the source of his prosperity. It was the faith in God. So when, because for me, this is what, when I was studying that scripture, I was asking myself, okay, fine. You take the guy's first well, you take his second well, you take his third well, you should be wealthy. Because if this well was making the guy wealthy, and then you seize it, right? And then the second one is making him wealthy, you seize it, and the third one is making him... <laughs> How come the guy is still more wealthier than the whole nation and you guys kept pursuing him? It means that it was not the well that was his prosperity. It was the gift of faith in operation. So by the time Isaac pulled away from this well and they went there, they experienced the same circumstances they were experiencing before they got there. That's why sometimes in life you can't copy people's testimony. You just self-destruct. Are you following this? You can't copy. And then you say, it happens to pastors a lot. They go to this church, they see that, oh, this church is doing all night. That's why the church is going. They just come and start punishing all their people. We say, oh, we're doing all night. It's 21 days. No, we're doing 41 days. At the end, you just get tired believers. Because everybody's got the grace with which God has given to them to operate with. Are you following me? It's like me. I mean, I mean, sometimes I'm there and people suggest, Pastor, let's do this. Pastor, let's do this. Pastor, let's do this. One thing I've learned very early in ministry is to stay at the center of my core gift. Everything around this ministry is built on teaching. Whether we're having a ladies' gathering, whether we're having a teenage meeting, that's the core. That's, that's it. That's where my grace is dominant. If this church is going to grow, it's going to grow by the teaching ministry. If we're going to plan more churches, it's going to be by the teaching ministry. If we're going to get prosperous, it's going to be by the teaching ministry. Why? Because that's the gift that God has given to me. Will I like to do all other things? Absolutely, I will, but I don't have the grace for them. Identifying your predominant gift keeps you in check. If not, you'll be scattered everywhere. The gift of faith in operation, supernatural impartation. We also find the gift of, of faith um, in terms of personal protection, Daniel chapter 6, verse 16 to 17. Remember when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den? How many of you remember that story? Only two people. Jesus, Jesus, or what? How many of you remember Daniel in the lion's den? Now, see, do you know something? I want you to do something, right? These stories, we heard them when we were children. And you know, we, we, I, I just assume that we really never think about these stories. We just say, ah, man, Daniel, yeah, God delivered Daniel. Let's think about it this morning. I know most of you have not seen a lion except in movies. Do you know I realize that I've never seen a lion until I went to Kenya? And I saw a lion. And then I realized that it took me 30 something plus years to see a lion for the first time. And in my mind, I think that I know lions. You just assume, ah, no, I know them. Because you've seen them from the photograph and TV and all that. You know, the first time I saw a live lion, it was so scary. Even though it was in a cage, I have one belief, and I know I am right. You can choose to believe your own. This is not Bible. This is me. I don't believe the animals get born again. <laughs> and they are animals. No matter how you pet them, you control them, the day that animalistic. So 
I give them as much chance as will not require faith for my safety. So we saw the lion. They said we should go closer to, to take photographs. I said no. See, one thing you people should understand is I've been seeing the photographs of lion all my life. So for this one, I'll see it from a, from a distance. You know, people got closer. I used the binoculars. It's okay. Just let them stay there. You know, but when you see that animal life for the first time, you would know that God actually kept Daniel. Because when they are feeding them, they feed them goats and stuff. When they are feeding them, immediately, maybe the lap of a goat is thrown in. Immediately, it's getting to the ground. In less than two minutes, it's gone. Like jaws as big as. For Daniel to sleep. I was thinking that if it was me, I would have actually died before they threw me in. Like, they say, let's throw him in. That is dead. <laughs> like, see, there's no need to even put me. I, is it not so I would die? Don't worry. Let me just die here. <laughs> Are you following that? That was what? The gift of faith. Listen, listen. You cannot reproduce that testimony. How do we know that something is the gift of faith? Something that actually cannot be reproduced by another person in the same circumstance. If they are to throw someone into the lion's den again, meet them in heaven. Why? Cannot be reproduced. Do you understand that? But that was what? The gift of faith in operation. How did we know it was the gift of faith in operation? Daniel actually was sleeping. You know, even your natural mind will not allow you to sleep. Are you following this? Your natural mind will allow you to sleep. I remember when I went to South Africa, got this family, they got these giant dogs, like big dogs, big, like three. Then we got into the car. And, you know, we drove in, parked. And I saw them coming. I said, who has this? Says our own. I said, ah. They said, ah, don't worry, come down, it will not bite. I, me, that I should not come down. It, that's not an advice I take from anybody. I choose when to come down, and I've chosen that I am not coming down, staying in this car. <laughs> they had to, you know, that's not lion, that's dogs. <laughs> to sleep, and imagine they now tell me, just sleep. I won't sleep. So it takes the gift of faith. That's why, listen carefully, some people might be going through very tough times, but they don't show it. It's not just because they have a strong heart. It's the gift of faith at work. If some of us go through those situations, we will collapse. Are you you following this? And you know what? I've learned to be attributing the achievements of my life to the grace and the giftings of God. Because it's easy to just say, I have a strong heart. I can go through anything. No, you don't. Sometimes it's the gift of faith at work in your life. Praise God. We find the gift of faith for provision. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2 to 6. 1 Kings 17, 2 to 6. Ravens came to feed Elijah. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, verse 3. Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Sherit, which flows into the Jordan. Verse 4. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. 
Praise God. So Raven, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherik, which flows into Jordan. Verse 6. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Amazing. These stories should stir your heart that God can take care of you. And he used an animal that naturally is known not to be generous to bring food morning and evening. I wonder where this bird, this bird was getting this bread and from. But you know, this was the gift of faith for supernatural provisions in operation. Praise God. Then we also had a gift of faith for transportation in operation. And I want to read this. John 6, 21. John 6, 21. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John 6, 21. This was when they were scared. Then they willingly received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. The boat didn't need to move anymore. Supernaturally, they got to the end of their destination. This was the gift of faith for transportation in operation. It happened also in the life of Elijah. First Kings chapter 8 verse 11. He outran the, the chariots of Ahab. That was also the gift of faith in operation. It's a supernatural manifestation of faith. Verse 11 to 12. Then it also happened to Philip when the Lord supernaturally caught him to Azotus. In Acts chapter 8 verse 39 and verse 40. Acts 8, 39 to 40. We found that Philip was supernaturally transported. It was the gift of faith. Now, this is what I, this is my experience now. This is not Bible. I, I, I'm separating this now. This is not scriptures. I'm speaking my experience now. When I get back to scriptures, I'll let you know. But this is my experience. I, I, I feel and I sense in my walk with God that sometimes this gift of operation, like I said, this is me. This is not the Bible. I, I sense sometimes that the gift of faith operates in your life sometimes in certain seasons. Now, this is what I mean. Sometimes you want to do certain projects that are initiated by the Spirit, and then the gift of faith comes into operation, and you execute them flawlessly. Now, this is where I think that as believers, we have issues. Once you accomplish that project, what's the natural tendency? You want to start another one, and then you get into it and discover that that gift is not in operation. Why do I conclude that? Like I said, this is me. This is not scripture. But I'm looking at the life of Elijah, right? And God tells him, go to the brook. I'm going to command a raven to feed you. A raven feeds him there, and then the Lord's, and then the, the brook dries up. And that provision stopped. Now, two things. Elijah didn't just decide where to go. The Lord had to now tell him, go to the widow of Zarephath. Two words are very common there. He, the Lord says, I have commanded the raven to feed you. Then the, the next line, he says, I commanded the widow to feed you. So you see, before the provisions of Elijah, there was a divine command to the bird and to what? And to the widow. So, Jesus referring to this story now says, there were many widows in Israel, but Elijah was only sent to what? To the widow of Zarephath, specific. So if Elijah had tried to get his provisions from any other widow or started widow's impartation ministries, 
that you just meet a widow and say, what do you have there? Last meal. I have an anointing to multiply last meal. What happens? A lot of things would have gone wrong. Sometimes we need to know when to stop when the operation of the gift of faith has ceased. It helps us to stay in line with God's plan and purpose for our life. Praise God. Now I'm back to scriptures. So, the gift of faith is a tiny portion of God's total faith, supernaturally imparted by the Holy Spirit, operated only under God's control. This was a statement Derek Prince said, and I agree with him. He says, the gift of faith is a tiny portion of God's total faith, supernaturally imparted by the Holy Spirit, operated only under God's control. So, if you even though you have the gift of faith, you cannot just use it to cause things to happen. Praise God. Are you still here? Alright. Now, um, let me leave all that, but you, you understand how God worked by faith. Two different ways to exercise the, the, this gift of faith. Let's go to 1 Kings 17 1. 1 Kings 17 1. Two ways by which we operate the gift of faith. 1 Kings 17 1. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to him, to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So somehow the gift of faith is operated by the spoken word. But you realize if you study the scripture carefully that it was a supernatural instruction from God. How do I know that? When the rain was about to fall, what happened? God told him, he says, go and tell Ahab that the rain is about to come. So now, why is this the gift of faith? Because this was not just a normal, as it were, miracle that anybody performed. This was something supernatural that you had to really trust God that when I say this rain is not going to fall. It happened to Joshua also when he caused the sun to stand still. I mean, I don't know any preacher who's done that. Like, oh, we have crusades. We want the sun to stand still. I mean, it's like affecting the whole earth. And we know that it's only God that has that capacity. But out of that dimension of God, if he impasses that gift of faith to you, you can begin to use that to exercise authority where the will of God is concerned. That's very important. Where the will of God is concerned. Why did Joshua asked the sun to stand still. It was because they were fighting. Um, Israel was in battle against other nations. This is what I want you to note, and it's very important, please. Never use the gifts of the Spirit to prove that you are anointed. They must be used in line with God's will. So you can't just come and say, you know I'm anointed. Okay, I will stop the rain. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. You miss out of God's will. Sometimes you will have manifestations, but you miss out of God's will. Praise the name of the Lord. All right. So we can, um, the, the faith, that faith can be expressed through speaking. Now, if you go to 1 Kings 18, verse 40, 41 to 45 also, Elijah spoke to God on behalf of the rain and all that. Now, these words can be spoken to a person or can be spoken to objects on behalf of God or situations. Like when Joshua spoke to the sun and the moon. That is in Joshua chapter 10 verse 12 to 18. So the gift of faith can be used to speak to objects. 
to situations, to things. Praise God. So you find out generally, that you, and you must learn that, okay? You must learn that. You must know that you can speak. Now, this is not using the gift of faith now. As a believer, the authority of God is in you. You can take authority over situations. Amen. You can take authority. Ah, especially for me. When I fly, one of the things I pray about a lot is the weather. I, I pray for the weather. I pray for the pilot. pray for the plane. I pray for everything. Just to make sure. Because those turbulent seasons are not funny seasons. So you must learn to take authority. Exercise your authority. Over circumstances. Over, over things. Not just people. Over things. Praise God. And this is initiated by your words okay so basically that's how the gift of faith operates it helps you to be able to accomplish major things if i'm looking at uh i don't want to use current ministers but if i look at a minister in our country that i see operated so much in the gift of faith zach bishop benson so much faith in operation in his life i i actually believe that he operated the gift of faith now, sometimes the Lord can grant you that gift when you are a pioneer. If, you, if God wants you to pioneer things, like I talked about this man, please, if you're a business person, try and get this book, um, Mover of Men and Mountain by Aro Gilitoni. And um, the, the, the founder of Full Gospel Businessmen, try and also get his biography and just read about that. And you'll just see that God supernaturally implanted faith in these people to take the business arena. For you to be able to exercise dominion in several dimensions of life, this gift of faith needs to be in operation. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Now, let's go to the gifts of healings. I want to make sure we finish this before our conference. So, I'll go to the gift of healings. And it's very easy because we have done an extensive work on healing before. So, the gift of healings... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11. So this is the second of the power gift. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 11. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. As he wills. Now, it's important for us to um, understand this, that these gifts are distributed by the Lord according to his will. And one of those gifts is the gifts of healings. Now, I'll just run a summary of it. The gifts of healings is also like the gift of faith. What do I mean by that? Every believer can stand on the word of God and lay hands on the sick and expect them to recover. Every child of God. Now, I don't, using myself as an example, I don't particularly think, maybe as I grow in, in God and I grow in the things of God and my assignment expounds, I don't particularly think probably the gifts of healings is in full manifestation in my life. But then I've seen all kinds of miracles and how do I minister in healings, for instance? How do I minister in healings? 85% of the healings I've experienced in ministry comes through the combination of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. 
So most times, I get impressions of the sickness, and because I have the sickness revealed to me, the gift of faith kicks in, and I lay hands on the sick, and supernaturally, we see people get healed. Now, whether you have the gifts of healings or not, it is your responsibility to pray for the sick. And I must tell you this, every believer should have a reputation for healing the sick. And you know how you start? You start with your family. You know when your husband says, oh, my head is paining me. Don't just quickly go and start putting towel in, uh, you know, first of all, pray. Just exercise. Even with our kids, we teach them the same. The first thing, if any of my child, daughter comes right now and says, oh, I'm feeling the pains, the first instruction, speak to it. Put your hands there, speak to it. That's the first thing they do. Is the f- that is the first aid. Right from when they were small, up until now. Just put your hands there, speak to it. Why? You have to know that, hey, listen, it's your responsibility to get yourself healed. And then if we even need to give you drugs or give you anything, then fine. So you must live that way. Are you following what I'm saying? So every believer has that um, responsibility. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how to heal the sick. So, but this is not just talking about that responsibility now. This is not just the healing that every believer has access to in Christ. This is talking about a special manifestation of the gifts of healings. Now, in church history, I'll name four names quickly. That, if you want to learn more about them, go read the book, God's General, by Robert Slayerdon. Uh, a woman by the name of Amma Simba Macpherson, the founder of Foursquare Gospel Church. For those of you who don't know, Foursquare was founded by a woman called Amma Simba Macpherson. She's got, she got a powerful healing ministry. And then another woman is Maria Woodward Etter. Now, I know a lot of people know Katrin Coleman, so that's why I'm not mentioning her name. Maria Woodward Etter. Maria Woodward Etter had one of the strongest demonstrations of the gifts of healing. In fact, Maria Woodward Etter, she used to have what you call the stretcher days. The stretcher days, they would, they would bring a hall, like a big hall, and bring invalids, people who were sick, people who were on stretcher, and just put everybody on that hall. And then she would come, finish teaching, and just speak a word. And 95 to 99% of everybody present will get healed. That was just, <laughs> I mean, those are manifestations of the spirit that will just dwarf. You know, when you visit, you just feel that you're not born again. I mean, powerful woman, powerful woman. A lot of people, this is me now, a lot of people respect Katrin Kuma a lot. And if you want to know more about her, we have one of our books there called I Believe in Miracles. A, a, a lot of people respect Katrin Kuma a lot, and it's just for this reason. Benny Hinn, who is known worldwide as a healing evangelist, actually got an impartation or to know the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the life of Katrin Kuhlman. So Benny Hinn talked a lot more about Catherine Kuhlman. And then Catherine Kuhlman, towards the end of her ministry, they already had video technologies. So a lot of her healing videos were available. But in my reading of church history, the miracles that takes place in the life of Maria Woodward Etta were extraordinary. Like... Some of them were almost like unbelievable. Like 
Maya Woodward Eta will be teaching on a stage like this and walk off the platform. And instead of falling to the ground, she'll walk two, three, four, five steps and then walk back into the platform. So much like it was incredible, like excess power that should be split over many generations were just in this woman. But that's the gift of healing in operation. Because I remember when we started out in ministry, man, we carried these books. We fast. That was what we wanted. Who would we do? Will I be pastoring? I mean, if I had that kind of grace, you think my church would be 100? For what? Like a million. All I need to do is just walk off the platform, come back and say, you do, go and see my pastor. He does not stay in the platform. <laughs> Will I be struggling to follow you? Oh, this one has got offended. Ah, he left church. Oh, this one. No. You even know who is offended because you don't even know your church members. All right? But that's, that's, that's the gifts of healings. Two men I'll mention. A man by the name of John Alexander Dowie. John Alexander Dowie had so much incredible walking in fact, John Alexander Dowie had so much power of the Holy Spirit working in him. What actually caused his downfall was he began to refer to himself as the Elijah. But he had so much power and he built a place in the U.S. called Zion City. And I think Robert Slyadon or John G. Lake, one of them was born in Zion City. I think it was Robert Slyadon that was born in Zion City. And it was so much incredible power that John Alexander Dowie had. So much power. That, those are the gifts of healing. Those were the era that he called, it was the era of the healing evangelists. And then another man is John G. Lake. Now, a lot of people know John G. Lake because a man by the name of Corey Blake took over his ministry and made his materials a lot more popular. And then uh, John G. Lake also was a missionary to South Africa. So he planted... In South Africa today, it's called the AFM churches. They call them the African Faith Mission. Over 600 churches in South Africa was planted by John G. Lake. Now, John G. Lake moved in so much power of healing. He was in a place called Spokane, Washington. And in Spokane, Washington, as of when John G. Lake died, it was declared the year of his death as the healthiest city in the world. The reason it was declared as the healthiest city in the world was because John G. Lake had what you call the, the healing technicians, the divine healing technicians. He trained over 30,000 people on how to heal the sick, and they had healing rooms all over Spokane, Washington. And the power of God was so much in manifestation that hospitals literally were closing down, and the government was arresting them for practicing medicine without license. Yeah, true story. True story. True story. And they drove sickness away from the city that the city was declared as the healthiest held, the in the world as of that time. But that was a manifestation. I think for John G. Lake, he had the gifts of healing. But in all of the healing evangelists that I've mentioned, John G. Lake stands out the foremost for me for two reasons. Number one, he was the one who was able to really train others in the healing ministry. So John G. Lake was gifted not only in the gifts of healing, but also in the ability to teach and to train. So that is why sometimes when you read church history, you discover that this guy was powerful, that guy was powerful, that guy was powerful, that guy was powerful. And then you, 
watch the generation after, you discover that it's almost like, bam, it's zero power. Because not everybody has the ability, sometimes not everybody also has the ability to impart what they have. And that's why you find that every generation also has to trust God for themselves. Right? Modern days, you know the healing evangelists, we have modern days. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So, this gift of healing is given by God and it's purely a gift. Let's just look at how healings take place. And I, I can wrap up there. So what I've just done is to just run you through church history, to just stare your test board about the power of God that's available. I like what Trinkuma used to put at the back. Yeah, there was a guy I didn't mention. Uh, Jaco. Yeah, it's a guy by the name of Jaco. Tremendous, tremendous healing anointing. Tremendous healing anointing. Okay, it's gone. There's something that Ketrin Kuman used to put at the back of her healing crusades. She'll put God can do it again. And I like that phrase. Two statements she used to put at the back of her crusade. Either she'll put God can do it again or only believe. And saints, I tell you, we need to contend for the power of God again in our generation. We need it. We need it. I know sometimes I'll say this, I'll just say this quickly. You know, sometimes I'll say this, even for us, sometimes as ladies, why it's beautiful to get married, it's beautiful to have children. But you know, for, it's like for some of us, that's just where our life is. That's just it. The hunger and the passion for the things of God. It's just zero. She want to make money. Strategy, investment, branding. People are dying. And sometimes we feel, oh, it's only a guy. It's only, it's, it's, only, it's only a man that God can use. No, no, no. All over history, we've had tremendous women. And that's why, I, I mean, from the one we got married, I encouraged my wife. Teach on other subject. Teach the word of God. Just teach God's word. I'm not expecting you to be country cool, man. I'm not expecting you to be married or enter because I'm not going to eat. If you start displaying power at home. But listen, every woman must not just teach relationship. Because once you're a pastor's wife, invite her, women's convention. Women of the new year. Open women. And before you know, everything you are teaching is women, 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 women. Women is not the gospel. Should we teach women? Absolutely. But you understand that, I'm just saying this generally because we are not the only ones who listen to these messages. But you realize that once you're a woman and once you have a call to ministry, there's one direction. What's that direction? Relationship. One of our greatest role mothers in ministry, myself and my wife is Kenneth and Gloria Copeland it's amazing the Lord spoke to Gloria to start healing school and Gloria started healing school while Kenneth was teaching the evening meetings 
And that woman has seen, I mean, I've seen miracles upon miracles upon miracles upon miracles just teaching the word of God. You know what I'm telling you all this? Don't limit yourself to what society says. This is only what a woman should teach and know about. The power of God can flow through you in ways that will astound people. Somebody receive that? Amen. All right. How does healing come? Seven ways, quickly. Which are ways healing can come without probably the gifts in manifestation. Number one, healing through personal prayer. James chapter 5 verse 13. Is any afflicted? Let him pray. So you, an individual can get healed by praying personally. That doesn't have to be a gift. Praise God. Healing through the laying on of hands. I'm going to be fast. Healing through the laying on of hands. Mark 16, 17. So you understand that uh, <laughs> you can lay hands in faith and healing can come. Healing through the command of faith. Healing through the command of faith. You can speak words of faith. Matthew 8, 16 and 17. Healing through the spoken word. Matthew 8, 8. Healing through the spoken word at thy word. Speak a word only and my servant will be healed. So you can have healing through the spoken word. We're just looking at the way healing can come. Healing can come through clothing materials. Like it happened in Acts chapter 19 verse 11 and 12. Sweat rags from Paul's body were taken to the sick. They were getting healed. Fortunately, this is what our generation has measured on. Praying on things for people to get healed. As opposed to even spending time to teach people that they can get healed themselves by the word of God. Kenneth Hagin said 90% of the healing he has seen in his ministry came from when he started teaching people about First Peter. And says by God's word, by his stripes you're already healed. Listen, we must understand something. Pastors were not designed in the body of Christ to be superstars. They were designed to train believers to mature in the things of the spirit. So that everywhere we go, we all can manifest the gifts and the graces of God. For instance, I'll give you an example. For instance, some of you who work in companies around this island, I can't get access to that company. I don't even have the ID card. All right? How is God going to reach that? He's going to reach them through you. So what's my role? My role is if you come here on a Sunday morning, I equip you, I train you enough to be strong so when you go back to work on Monday, you can manifest the glory of God. That's my role. That's my job. My job is not to point to you, is to make you point to me and say, you know, my pastor is a powerful guy. Man, my pastor. Oh, my pastor. My job is not for me, for you to be wearing my, my, my sticker all over your car. That's not my job. I'm not your savior. Jesus is the savior of us all. And no mediator should come between God and man except the man Jesus. And you see, the more gifted you are, the more these truths should be in you. Because humans have the way of exalting these people. Are you following what I'm saying? We give honor to whom honor is due, but we must understand that we have a responsibility to manifest Christ, every one of us. As we are seated there, God is trusting in you. There were days I was also seated in congregations just as you were seated until the call of God came on my life. Praise God. And even when I was not yet in ministry, most of these books, like the stories I gave you today, I read them way when I was not even in ministry. 
But one thing they did for me was that they buried a hunger in my spirit. And, you know, if you watch a generation, the trajectory of our books changed. That is why our hunger changed. I mean, we sell books a lot. That Kedrickman book has been there for how long? Maybe since we started the bookshop. Just go there. 101 Magic Marketing. How much is that? One one. They don't price. So you see, well, I don't want to say it's understandable, but you see, with the level of poverty, joblessness, nobody's looking for power manifestation. Who wants to do gift of healing? Everybody wants to hammer. So you see, the more you read those materials, the more you read those materials. See, let me explain something to you about life. Any hunger you don't feed will not continue. Right? Even me as a pastor, I deliberate, deliberately make sure sometimes I go back to those old books just to, if not before you know, by the time I read this one now, I read five of this one, I'll start teaching you business. You will know that I'll just open the Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, and Jesus said, you see, Jesus said is a strategy. There's a strategic something about said. S for success. A for aptitude. I for investigation. D for decision. That is how. Before you know, I will use this Bible and all of you, everything will just be business, business, money, 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 money. People will be dying in our midst. We will have money to bury them. You just say, Pastor, don't worry, we can pay for the funeral. Continue. I'm telling you, we, we will just begin to see these things as natural. I say, ah, when did the person die? I say, he's old now. Ah, what is he still doing? You know, I taught them in Podako Church about the life of God. The life of God. I taught them in Podako Church. Even though Adam sinned and he was cut off from the life of God, it took 936 years for death to walk on his body. His son, 963. That whole generation of Adam, the youngest died at 876. They had to learn how to die. It, it was not normal. It's like at 100, you say you have a trice. Is something wrong with you? Your father died at 936. So to that, the 100 was almost like you, di you didn't start life. Enoch 365, the man skipped death. It was 365. He was supposed to live and die. The guy said, no, I'm not going through all those pains. He just skipped and started working with God. Methuselah, even though we say he had... The guy <laughs> clocked it up. These guys were just living. Why? It was the same life of God. Even then, they had sinned. But it had to take years for death to walk in their mortal body. Don't embrace old age the way you think as normal. Some of you are even looking for the signs. <sighs> Rico's, hey. And then what do we do? Get all the creams. Rob, eat this, drink this, do this, exercise, do it all. At the end, 42. Gone. You see, those are beautiful things. Nothing will sustain you on this earth like the life of God on your mortal body. He says it will revitalize your mortal body. It will cause you to grow younger and younger. You know, when Moses wanted to die, God had to tell him, oh boy, it's time to die. You go up the mountain and sort yourself out. The guy climbed the mountain, 120. Eyes were not abated, climbed the mountain, went to be with the Lord. At 80, Caleb said, this mountain, God told me 40 years ago, and I want to possess it. It's time. 
And you know, those days, wars were not like the guy carried gun. Those wars were physical. At 80, the guy said, as I was 40 years ago, it's the same way. You know, when Sarah died, Abraham took another wife. Eh. Sarah died. Ah. By 100, my first child was 100 now. I'm like, just have a man stay like this. 100. And he got married again. She just, ah, ah, what? If you look at Adam, Adam was 936. At 100, I'm still young. He said, ah, no, no, no. He went to pay bride price again. They asked the man, how old are you? He said, ah, just 100, sir. So okay, no problem. My daughter can go with you. <laughs> but you know why we started dying early? We started being afraid of witches. Yeah. Read Hebrews. Say so he came to liberate them who through fear of they were made subjects. Bondage. Fear brings death. And then we started planning for death. You go home, your mother will tell you, marry early. So that before you die, your children would have grown. What's the motivation for early marriage? Where are you from? Ah, I'm from so, 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 so village. Ah, build a house so, so that when you die. They will have somewhere to do what? To bury you. Why did you build that house? Death. That's a motivation. You know everything now. Even if somebody's 35 is not married, you know the anxiety. Why? Because she's counting. 35, 35, by 40, I'll hit menopause. 45, I will not born again. 60, they will say I have fibroid. 70, I'll die. If I don't marry by 35 and the husband come at 40, my child will be 12. By the time I'm die, how can I breastfeed when I'm 30 something? By then, all my destiny have fallen. Dead, you are just calculating where you are living. So it's normal. Even pastors preach it. It's normal. Someone say, but the Bible says in Psalm 90 that, oh, the age of man is 80 and 90. No, I explained it in my book. That was not God's word. That was the lamentation of Moses. Moses was, Moses was angry. He says, if, if a man is 70 and by reason of strength he gets to 80. You know what the reason of strength is? Diet. Eat fruits. You will see good food. You will not be able to eat again. Exercise. That means God acknowledges that by this Moses acknowledges by these activities we can increase our years, at least by 10 years. But then, the answer to that problem is Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then he goes on to talk about the, the amount of protection you will get from God. And the last verse says, with long life will he satisfy him and show him his salvation. The solution to Psalm 90 is Psalm 91. It's to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You can't abide in the presence of God and death will feast a hold on your body. Listen, I say it publicly, I believe in immortality. I believe that the gospel brings to light immortality. I believe that we can conquer death. I believe that there is a generation that will conquer sickness, and death and we must lay hold on that truth that the very life of God in our bodies can keep us keep us alive praise God you know I looked at the mirror the other day and someone said oh you have a lot of gray hairs on your head it doesn't mean anything it just means the hair is white it's not it's, it's color just as you will go and Dye your hair brown, purple, cool. The hair is going white. It's changing color. It's normal. 
I'm not looking at it. Oh, wow. Remove it. Remove it. I don't want people to know I'm old. Are you joking? Even if all my hair go white now, that's the hair's problem. My faith and my heart is in longevity. Do you know, I'm not looking for signs of old age. Are you following what I'm saying? We must keep our eyes on the goal. Are you following what I'm saying? Once you start feeling that pain in your body, don't start sending your children message. Ah, let me get that cup. I think arthritis is coming. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's when you stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, with long life will it satisfy me. Every fiber of my body, every bone, in the name of Jesus, you receive the life of God. And even if you want to die, let me give you an option. Do it like Paul. Paul says, if I die, it's uh, to your disadvantage. It's to my benefit. If I stay, it's to your advantage. It's to my disadvantage. Okay, I'll stay for a while. That's how Paul died. Even all the fathers of old, when they wanted to die, say, call all the children to me. Let me tell you what to be for you. Say, this, this is what will happen to you. This, this is what will happen to you. This, this is what will happen to you. And then the scripture will say, they gathered up themselves and they died. Even if you want to die, just do it honorable in a very matured way. Don't let us cry too much. Just give me a call, Pastor. I'll die June 14th <laughs> in the morning. I know you are God forbid, God forbid now. That's fair right there now. That's fair right there. <laughs> and then call your children, show them where the money is. <laughs> Tell your wife who you are owing, who they should pay. At least I've taught you very well. I've taught you, giving you both options, life and death options. I've been a good teacher. Tell them to send me small money. I'm going. Pastor, I've been teaching me. Please give Pastor 10% of that. You know, show them where the khaki is. Don't let us be bothering people. Just show us everywhere. Then you can just sleep. We'll just know that. Okay, finish eating. We won't see you tomorrow. And then just make it easy for all of us. You understand? It's like, oh, you sleep. You didn't wake up. No, now. No. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the truth of God's word. And Father God, we just release longevity upon this congregation right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by our faith, we take authority over the spirit of death. We cancel the works of the enemy. Everyone that travels returns safely. In the name of Jesus. Everyone that sleeps wakes up. In the name of Jesus. Everyone with sickness in their body right now receives the healing power of God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.